0: When facing a family law matter, it can feel like an overwhelming and never-ending court process. It's vital to know that things will look better on the other side if you hire legal counsel with the skill and compassion to help. It's Stenge Law Firm. We represent clients in difficult family law matters every day. Visit familylawrepresentation.com to schedule your consultation. It's
1: familylawrepresentation.com. Stenge Law Firm, here to help you rebuild your life.
0: Stangee Law Firm has an office in Wichita. Kirk Stangy. 120 South Central Avenue, Suite 450 Clayton, Missouri. Hello, you are listening to the Divorce University Online Podcast with your hosts,
1: Thomas and Tammy Ferreira. Hi, I'm Tammy. And this is Thomas. And we're here for Episode 6 today. Episode 6. Do
0: you have a for rent sign on your head?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't think, not today.
0: <laughs> this, this podcast is about a concept uh, that I learned from my friend uh, Brooke Olson. Uh, it's called uh, when you allow your ex to rent space in your head.
1: Yeah, well, in uh, some of our cases, there's a lot more space to rent than others. Yes, uh... <laughs> <laughs> I'll not make any mean jokes. Okay. <laughs> so,
0: how Tammy was? Is your ex husband your favorite person?
1: Absolutely yeah is that convincing enough
0: (laughs) for but for those of us who don't I mean typically when you uh, are uh, divorcing uh, that person has hurt you in some deep way right and you're struggling with some serious emotions sometimes loss sometimes anger
1: yeah a lot of grief a lot of resentment I think is a big one and, for people.
0: And, and it's very typical for people who are going through divorce to think obsessively about how to get revenge or how to uh, make their ex more miserable.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think we both went through that, right? I mean, it's it's kind of a natural, um, that that's sort of the natural human way to feel. I think that, you know, what we have to consciously do is try to Try to fight that, right? <laughs> we have to.
0: We have to fight it, uh, and and the reason is for our own self preservation. Because right. you see, time and time again, uh, in the cases that we handle, that people are obsessing about what happened in court the other day, or that remark that they made, or the text message that they sent you, uh, that has uh, basically they've stuck their finger in your eye and you're mad
1: yeah I mean we were I was just at support group last night and we had somebody who was kind of doing that and just struggling with you know what happened in the last court hearing and how it went and why it should have gone differently or why it will or won't go differently in the future based on that experience and and just you know kind of paralysis by analysis kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, and what what
0: tends to happen is that we get trapped in this kind of thinking. I know that when I was going through my divorce, uh, I had some special words that came up on my phone when my ex-wife would call.
1: They were very special. They
0: were very special words, and, uh, and that's not to disparage her. She's been a good person and uh, she's co-parented with me very cooperatively.
1: Well, uh, you were hurt at that stage.
0: Right. Uh, so, you know, many of us have special songs that come up when uh, when the phone rings.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I had that. I, I did have that. What sure. was yours? I don't know if I even remember what the song was now, but, um, you know, I know that, you know, you and I were together when we were still doing some of these things. We were kind of new in our relationship
0: And it's too late to apologize. How
1: about that one? You're trying to come up with one? You're sitting (laughs) over there thinking of, of song titles while I'm trying to talk about this. So we, you know, we, when we first got together, we were both still kind of in that I'm angry and resentful mode and this person hurt me. And, you know, we were still working through a lot of those emotions. And so I remember, um, you know, you mentioned Brooke Olson, we've mentioned him in previous episodes. He's a person that specializes in working with, um, high conflict parenting issues specifically. And he's got a, it's high net. He's got a great online course and all that kind of thing. Um, so, and we don't, there's no, we don't get any kickback or anything like that. I'm just, Brooke is a great resource. So I'm not, uh, you know, there's no uh, ulterior motive for the plug. I'm just, I think that he has a lot of wisdom in this area. And... Um, but anyway, so I remember when you went um, mm-hmm. because you were the one that was working with him. I didn't really know him at that time. And you went and um, I think Emily called or something during one of the sessions right. and your your kind little uh, label for her popped up on your phone. And I remember you came home and said that on my flip phone. Yeah, yeah. Your little flip phone that took me forever to get you to yeah. get rid of it. Yeah. Uh, and um, you. Brooke said, well, you know, really, you need to come up with something that's very neutral, that doesn't, you know, might not give you a warm, fuzzy feeling, but also doesn't reinforce your already resentful, negative feelings. And so you you thought about it and thought about it and tried to come up with a name that didn't really have any connection or meaning for you.
0: Right. Because the name. When I heard her name or saw it, it would make me furious.
1: Right. And so we chose a different name for her, which yeah. was? Which was George. Which was George. And this is really funny because your children were very small at the time. We, As we have said, they were one and two uh, at the time of the divorce. And then you and I met about uh, six months later. So they were one and a half and two and a half. And... You and I called her George. That's what we referred her to her as. In, that was our
0: code word. Yeah, and the
1: mm-hmm. kids would say, who's George? And it would be like, oh, just Nobody. A, a friend, a client, a, you know, whatever. <laughs> until the kids actually started figuring out who George was about two or three years later, and we had to actually stop doing that. So, <laughs> Right,
0: and you should never complain about the others. Spouse to your kids ever or within their earshot. Right, right, right. Uh, It's very important. But the problem was that my ex wife was renting space in my head. Uh, I was thinking about her obsessively and how hurt I was and how, you know, and having fantasies about what I would do and so forth. Uh, And uh, it was just the wrong thing to do.
1: Right. Well, it keeps you. No, wrong. (laughs) right you're wrong (laughs) (laughs) Um, it keeps you stuck in that in that space it keeps you stuck in that part of your life you know um, where you know it's like a client and I were joking about this morning it's like the burning trash heap behind you you know and what you have to do is is get your focus forward and what that type of resentment does is it keeps you stuck in this miserable state that is the current state of affairs. Right,
0: one one case that uh, that we had, I was trying to convince one of our clients uh, who kept rehearsing uh, the last hearing. It's like, oh, the court did this, and if only I had done that. And really, this man is stuck in. And being upset about how unfair his he perceives his result as having been and how he doesn't like what happened. And that's preventing him from moving forward. It's preventing him from seeing his kids and, and being happy with them. Uh, and uh, it's really destroying his attitude, which you really need to get through this.
1: Yeah, I was reading a really good book this week. I've been reading... Uh, um, a really good book called uh, Millionaire Success Habits by Dean, I think it's Graziosi. If I'm saying it wrong, I'm very, very sorry, Dean. It's a great book. Um, and one of the things that he says is that, you know, when he would mess something up, his grandma would ask him, well, um, can you change it? You know, like, oh, he'd come home from school and he just totally bombed a test. And she'd say, well, can you change it? And he'd say, no. And she'd say, well, okay, then, then there's no point in, you know, dwelling on it. You just get ready for the next test get a really good grade on that one and right. it'll all balance out. And so that's kind of what you have to do with this is you have to learn those lessons from the relationship and the things that caused it to fail. Cause there's always two sides. I mean, no matter what the dynamic is, it's it there's two parts to the failure of the marriage except in my case because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're a better person than we all are but anyway but you have to take the lessons you know even with me with with my ex-husband having an affair and whatnot it you know it's not that the, the, the marriage was all happy and gleeful and everything was fine. Suddenly he went out one day and had an affair. You know, the marriage was breaking down. There were problems. You know, we both had our own ways of dealing with that that weren't the healthiest. And then that's ultimately how he chose to deal with it. But I still had my part in the breakdown of that. And I've tried to learn from that as much as I can and bring those lessons into you right. know our marriage so that I'm hopefully not repeating Yes, you know, yes. That destructive process and I,
0: again. And I appreciate that <laughs>
1: very much. See, we both appreciate the other one's X because they taught us certain things.
0: Right. So I, I would say the first part of this battle, uh, you have to recognize that letting them rent space in your head, it dampens It's like kryptonite. It's like kryptonite to Superman.
1: It, it's, it's disempowering.
0: It's disempowering. And the first step, I think, is to realize what's going on. Uh, and uh, we were in a settlement conference with a, an attorney, well-known attorney in uh, North San Diego County, uh, and he said something I thought was profound. Uh, he says, divorcing people tend to ruminate or obsess about their problems, and then every time they think of a problem, they put their ex's face on it.
1: <laughs> I, I think I might, we might be a little bit guilty of that one. That's kind of the running joke in our house, right? Everything's my ex's fault. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yeah. And well, the thing is that that is a natural human tendency right? uh, to blame others and uh, to because it makes us feel self-righteous. Right.
1: Right. It makes you feel feel better than the other person. And and yeah, I mean, that's a natural again, a natural human thing that you have to recognize that you're going to have the tendency to do and try to interrupt that. Mental thought process,
0: yeah. And doesn't it when you when you're doing it, when you're re- ruminating it, I, are you feeling joyful? Are you anticipating the future? Are you feeling happy?
1: No, right. It it feels good in a negative sort of way.
0: Yeah, it does. It, you know, it does. Yeah, you know, we had that that uh, lady on the phone uh, when we were on the way to su- support group yesterday, and she was just so mad. Uh, and her the reason she's mad is you know, and some people have exes that can do this is they've they've been married to you for twenty five years and they know where the chink is in your armor correct and so I know
1: right where that button is to push it
0: right and she was getting her buttons pushed uh, in her case uh, uh, the, the the her husband's game was to change the agreement at the last minute. Right. Uh, and it would always be something small. It would be something that was too small for her to make a big deal out of, but
1: she, just enough to tick her off. <laughs> but just enough to tick her off. It's just
0: yeah it, it's like
1: it's like this perfect little window. <laughs>
0: it's like thirty five hundred sixty two dollars and ninety eight cents is the is the trip. Wire, <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, which is more than your, which you're going to pay an attorney more than that to fight about this issue, but yet $3,500 is, right. you know, a significant amount normally, especially when you're going through this kind of thing and you suddenly have double the expenses in the household. So, so
0: and, and here's what I said to her to get the, and you were there, but for the benefit of our audience, uh, I said to her, you have to realize that if you go down this road and fight over this small sum of money, well, it's not an insignificant sum of money, but it's- Not enough to change your life. Not enough to change your life. It's not just gonna be over the $3,500. It's gonna be the support and the division of the estate and everything that we had worked so hard in mediation to resolve, all of those things would become fair game in litigation. Uh, And at their level of conflict, you're talking six-figure attorney's fees.
1: Yeah, and you know, I find that this happens a lot is you go through and you'll negotiate, you know, the all of the major things and everybody's okay with it. And then we come down to signing the agreement and it's like, oh, I want this little change and this little change and right. I want, you know, 45 days to get my stuff out of the house instead of 30. And, you know, I want uh, the couch that's in the extra room and I, I don't want just one TV, I want two of the TVs. and in Those things go back and forth, and many times those are the pieces that end up submarining the entire agreement. Right. We have one last year, there's this mediation case that we did that's still hanging out there because of that very thing. Mm. At the end, one of the parties wanted a couple changes, and the other party was just like, no. No. Because you get to a point, and this is your phrase, where you've spent all of your change equity. Yeah, Right, And by change, we don't mean coins change, we mean changing the pieces. So usually people will, will try and swallow one, maybe two. You start getting into three or four changes in a document and people kind of throw up their hands and go, well.
0: Yeah, I'm not doing this. Yeah, I, they why start should I to, bother? They start to feel bullied.
1: Right, right.
0: And uh, you know, if you're starting to say, I feel bullied, then somebody's running space in your head. Right, because again, if you, once you, once that agreement breaks down and you turn that over to the attorneys, the attorneys are going to take control of that case. Right, and their incentive is to make it as expensive as possible. Right, uh, so it, it, to the extent that that person is living in your head and pushing your button over a small amount of money, uh, or
1: An item, yes. An item,
0: you know, the couch, whatever it is, that's going to cost you six figures. That's going to cost you, and you're going to have to go through the grief of seeing that person in
1: court. You get stuck right back in the stuff that you're trying to extricate yourself from.
0: Right. Yeah. The litigation is like a huge, low pressure area that just sucks everything into it. And you can get stuck in it and you can't get out. Right.
1: And, you know, on on something like, um, you know, oh, I need more time to get my things out of the house. I mean, that doesn't really cost either person anything. If one of the persons is staying in the house anyway, it doesn't really cost anything, but it can just feel unfair. And so on those types of things, especially or somebody wants the couch that you could go replace for, you know, 100 bucks at a garage sale or whatever. Those types of things you really have to ask. You have to keep the focus on you and ask yourself you know, is this really a big deal for me? You know, if this this couch sits in the room for 30 days, is this going to change the course of my life? No. So it's not worth it to fight. Let me move on. and, And what most people do is they go, well, that's just unfair because they're the person that moved out and, you know, they took everything else. And if they really wanted that, they should get it out or they should put it in storage or they should. But, you know, it, it doesn't matter what that does is it engages your brain in all the negativity about it and it snowballs about everything about that person. When really you could have just gone, I don't really care. Let the couch sit there for 30 days and then you can come get it. Whatever. I'll move it out in the garage. You yeah, know, <laughs> like, whatever. Yeah. And, yeah. Because
0: what happens is that people start seeing this as about winning. Right. And th- your self-esteem becomes invested in defeating them on a certain number of points. Right. Okay, I'm willing to take it in the shorts on, uh, on the uh, Watts credits or whatever, the, you know, some $3,500 credit that you're asking for, uh, but uh, I'm not going any further than that. I'm drawing a line in the sand, and I'm not going to do that. And the minute that person asks for another $10, bucks, you are over the line. God darn it, I'm going to court. Right. And it's very much cutting off your nose despite your face in a lot of ways.
1: Yeah. That's why I said you have to totally set that person out of it and try to focus on how does this impact you. And when your focus is on all of these things, you know, it takes your focus off of, Building your life, building right. your career, your new relationship, uh, your parenting time with the kids—you know, whatever it is that's important to you in your life—it's taking your focus off of that and putting it on on minutia, on on what a jerk your ex is, and right. we all already know that our ex is a jerk. Like it's been proven over and over, <laughs> all our exes are jerks. It, you don't need to ponder it anymore, you right. know. And so, you know, what happens is. Is you get stuck in all this stuff, and you don't feel joyful, you don't feel any of those things, and a lot of times it also uh, damages the relationship to the point where now you've got kids. Mm -hmm. I mean, well, if you have kids, then you're going to need things from each other going forward.
0: Right.
1: You know, I I had a conversation with your ex-wife yesterday. You know, we've got a scheduling conflict with your son's. Graduate, or she does. She has a scheduled conflict with your son's graduation this week, and so right. I'm trying to figure out.
0: They're letting him graduate. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> Unbelievably, so his eighth yeah. grade graduation, not yeah. not twelve. But <laughs> and so we're trying to. Fi- I'm trying to figure out how we can help her. How I can engage my maybe adult kids in mm-hmm. kind of helping so that she can be present. But you know. She gives us that courtesy, too. She helps us out. And so down the road, if you have kids, you're going to need flexibility. You're going to need help with things. You're going to need things from each other.
0: You need a day off sometimes.
1: (laughs) Please take these children. (laughs) But so getting down into the minutiae on settling your case really can do a lot of damage at the end and then suddenly you're late picking the kids up and you need somebody to stand in for you and your ex is going well you know what the way you've treated me the last six months i don't really feel like helping you
0: yep, yep. you know i
1: mean this is a person especially if you have kids you have to look at as your co-parent that you need to partner and cooperate with uh, but i don't
0: uh. <laughs> but they're so annoying
1: (laughs) and they're going to continue to be annoying and you're going to continue to be annoying to them. I mean, that's just part of the process.
0: Right. And so when this person is renting space in your head, when you're obsessing about them, what are some of the things that we can do uh, that can evict them from residence in our head?
1: So we're going to get a big, uh, we're going to go get uh, a landlord eviction, Right. Tenant eviction notice. Right, we're going to I mean <laughs> you can there.
0: you can make a resolution, can't you? Just just to say I'm not going to think about the past anymore.
1: Yeah, I mean I think that, you know, having some kind of exercise where when you notice yourself doing that, you, you know, picture a big red stop sign in your head, you know, I've been <laughs> I've been I've been coached on doing that before too and then kind of resetting yourself, asking people around you to You know when you're engaging in that talk and you're ruminating about it, asking them to help you recognize that that you're engaging in that and help you, you know, stop. Right. Is another way.
0: I mean, one thing you got to recognize is what's the payoff for you? What's the payoff in your negative thinking? Uh, For me, the payoff is that I get to feel superior. Right. Uh, I get to feel like my situation is vindicated. And as the left spouse, and we're going to do a podcast in the future about left spouses and leaving spouses and the difference uh, emotionally, but as somebody who uh, whose wife said, I'm, I don't want to be married to you anymore, it was very difficult for me to get over what I felt was the injustice of that. And also the personal rejection. It hurt my self esteem.
1: Well, I've heard a lot of people, and you've actually been through both of these. I've heard a lot of people say uh, that that you know they've lost a spouse to death and a spouse to divorce, and that the divorce was way ha- harder because it contains that element of personal rejection personal that a, rejection. A, a person that died didn't, you know, didn't do.
0: Right. So when when I am critical of her and when I affirmatively hate her or when I fantasize about bad things happening to her, and I think we've all been there, right? Right. Uh, But that is, in a way, it's dragging my own soul into the negativity vortex. Correct. Uh, and you know the the lawyers can make hay out of that. They yes, can make they, a lot of money. They grab onto the negativity and they say, "Well, we will fight for you, and we will insist on your right. Thirty five hundred dollars is thirty
1: five hundred dollars. We're not going to back down." Well, it's not fair. We're going to get what's fair. Yeah, that's a big thing. Yeah. And so, okay, so we're we're not going to expect the attorney to fix the problem. We want to know how to fix it ourselves. So, how are we going to evict our X or anyone who is renting space in our head.
0: Well, this may sound kind of trite, and I'm sure you've heard this before. But uh, uh, one of the things I started doing is making a list of things that I'm grateful for. I and mean, even though my marriage... I better be on the top of the list. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I'm just saying. Sorry, go ahead. you are on the top of the. You're
0: always on top, Tammy. Um And
1: uh, <laughs> TMI. People don't want to know. Go ahead. <laughs>
0: uh, and uh, but uh, it, as much as it feels like. Divorce is this huge disaster in your life and yeah. a financial disaster. There's, there's some nice things about it. Uh, mm-hmm. I remember sitting in my house, in my empty house, and suddenly realizing that I could have quiet. So I had no kids with me. I had, you know, and you know, I felt that there was a lot of conflict, but just to to be neutral, there was a lot of conflict when when Emily was living there and. After she moved out, it was quiet. I was grateful for that. Yeah. So I turned on my Gregorian chants that I like to <laughs> listen to and, and I'm I'm a nerd. I like to read sermons. <laughs> definitely and, a yeah. nerd. <laughs> and and it was just nice to to be in my world uh, without the dysfunctions of of the of the old family around me so
1: you're trying to have gratitude for where you're at now and trying to enjoy the positive aspects of where you were then yeah i mean at that moment where 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 you were yeah. you know in that time and i mean i'm sure you also had moments where you felt lonesome sure and you missed her and whatever but you're trying to reframe that into Enjoying the peace and enjoying the relaxation and the time to yourself right. and all that kind of you thing. You
0: know, there are upsides to this divorce thing. There, People wouldn't do it.
1: Well, <laughs> I, I think for me, the thing it kind of did is it, it gave me this clean slate, mm-hmm. so to speak, of, um, you know, I can recreate my life the way I want it to be. I mean, at the time the divorce mm-hmm. happened, I was... I was going to school full time, I was working full time, I was raising two kids full time. Mm-hmm. Well, three if you count the husband. <laughs> so, you know, I had I, Ooh, I that was I yeah, I'm sorry. So, I, so what now you're the replacement kid. So, I, and you mm. brought two more with you. So, now I got five of you and they're and they're and you're all guys, you're all men. Yes, so, it's just Yes, we all need you. It's craziness. But anyway, so I was very very busy. It was very very hectic. Um, And stressful. And so for me, it was kind of like a chance to take a step back and go, okay, you know, is this really what I want it to look like for the next however many years? And because it really is an opportunity. for huge change in your life right?
0: for a new beginning
1: yeah and Mm -hmm. i mean you know the next thing that we're going to talk about is um that you can do when your ex is running space in your head is is obviously uh get into therapy and we've talked about that a lot in previous podcasts and you know the therapist i worked with was great um ann friedman in, in san juan capistrano if you're in that area she's incredible and i love her and she's been a huge help to me over the years but um she um, has said a couple of really profound things at different points for me. And, um, you know, one of the things that she said in this was to um, was that nobody changes without a crisis. Yeah. And I just thought that was really interesting. And I think when she said that to me, we were talking in the context of I really want to save the marriage and, um, you know, all that kind of thing. And And her point was he doesn't really have any reason to change because you're there and you still want to be there and there's no crisis for him. And, you know, his life is kind of going along the same. I was in full-blown crisis because he was seeing other people and all that kind of thing. But I hadn't created any kind of crisis for him. And she said, unfortunately, people just don't usually change without some sort of crisis. And so when this divorce crisis happens, you have two choices. You can either change negatively or you can change positively and i think particularly changing positively in an inherently negative event like this it's huge it, well, and it takes yeah. a lot of intention on your part.
0: It gives you superpowers. <laughs> yeah, it, and it does take intention. I remember that when we had our first date, and I'm not sure if we shared that in, in, in our episode zero, but uh, when we had our first date, we went to a nice Italian restaurant, and then we walked on the beach in Carlsbad, and we spent the first hour complaining about our exes because we bonded over this. Uh, we, we were both in the first
1: We were early, right in the thick of it, yeah.
0: early stages of the divorce. Mm-hmm. But I remember saying to you there's only one thing that I really want out of life and that's a hap- that's a healthy, healthy relationship.
1: relationship. I remember that conversation, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it it's true. It's like okay, and and, and that's kind of what I'm saying about bringing the lessons out of of the last relationship it's like okay we weren't on the same page about this 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 or this you know these are all the areas we had problems i'm going to make sure this time that i have all those things that i want in a mate. and um you know i know i say this joke a lot i don't know if i've i've said it previously either but i always tell you that you know i had a list of qualifications and fortunately or unfortunately for you you were the first (laughs) one that came along the metal mall so there you go you, you know so that's you know and I mean, I'm not saying that if you just make this list, you know, like somebody's going to drop out of thin air into your life, but I'm saying get clear on what it is that you will and won't accept moving forward. And your your expectation, you know, your tolerance rises to that yeah. level. And so you're not even going to consider anybody that's not meeting those. Yeah, You know, I remember I had an experience with a gentleman um before you and i went out somebody i was you didn't sub- go
0: out with anybody
1: before. <laughs> only one or two dates but this particular person i didn't actually go out with um, i was supposed to and then um never heard from him one morning and uh, when we were supposed to meet and now when i finally got a hold of him it was like hey i thought we were going to do this oh i changed my mind i had to go get my kids whatever cool that's fine i have kids i totally understand but you didn't it didn't dawn on you to call me or have any courtesy or anything mm. like that. And as soon as I started calling him on that and saying, you know, this isn't cool, um, he essentially hung up on me. Oh, And hanging up on me oh, at that rude. point was a huge trigger. Well, I still don't like it, but it was a huge trigger at right. that point because it's something my ex did a lot. Every time I started saying something he didn't like, he would hang up on me. So as soon as this guy hung up on me, it was like, I'm out. I'm done, like no more. Right. You know, I just had had enough. Where okay, that right, particular you're, behavior you're is worth
0: more than that. Yeah, you're more valuable. You know, and that's a self-esteem issue,
1: right? Uh,
0: but one of the things that is going to, because eventually, I think most of us who are divorcing, you know, we're probably not ready to jump back in the dating pool right off the bat, right? But uh, but we want to find. Uh, a better. We want to try again and and make the next one better. Right. Uh, and what makes you attractive to others is if you have an interesting life. That's that's your life. Uh, and if you're stuck in the past, you you're not going to be attractive like that. Right. People are going to think, well, this person is. You know, it has got too much baggage for me. I'm going to move on.
1: (laughs) Well, and you're so stuck in the negativity that it it almost hinders you from being able to see opportunities around you, whether that's opportunities in your career, in your in your, you know, in going back to school or a relationship or your kids or whatever. Mm -hmm. It really hinders you from seeing opportunities when your brain's full of negativity. Those two things don't live side by side.
0: I, I agree with that. I agree with that. Yeah. Now, one thing you can do uh, to evict somebody out of the head is to uh, stop interacting, uh, to cut off the fa- particularly face to face and voice communication. I remember that when I talked to my ex, all of the, the hopes, the dreams, the, the, the feelings came rushing back. It was, a, it was a trigger for me.
1: Yeah, and this is one of the things that Dina Stacer talks about. She's also somebody that runs a high-conflict parenting course, kind of like Brooke. Uh, mm-hmm. I think her site is parentsinconflict.net, parentsinconflict.com, one of the two. Um, yeah. But anyway, uh, Dina um, also talks about um, this, you know, the interaction with the other person is, like, written into your – DNA memory, your cell memory, memory, because you especially when you've been in a long marriage and or you've known this person really long time and all those kinds of things, it's just an automatic, almost visceral response to that person that you don't even control. Anymore. And right. so once you have that interaction, again, about 72 hours, I think we've talked about that timeline before, uh, to come back down from it.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, the way I describe it, uh, because I'm not an evolutionary biologist, uh, <laughs> is that when you marry, uh, the two people become one in a certain sense. Uh, you become dependent, you become interdependent on one another. And when you tear that apart, it leaves a jagged edge it hurts uh and and so the interaction i mean a lot of times people w- we see interact negatively by sending nasty text messages and yeah. and so forth uh and uh that interaction just it pulls you back into the vortex doesn't it
1: yeah, and I I remember going again going into Ann at one point and saying to her, "You know, I I I haven't seen him or talked to him in a few days and I just I feel so much better." And she's like, she she kind of stops and looks at me and goes, "You do hear yourself, don't you? Like you feel better when you don't interact with him." So, go. here's your advice for the week. Don't interact with him. There you go. I mean,
0: most of the communication that you have is unnecessary. Yes. I mean, if you're late for, for the drop-off of, of the children, then you go ahead and send a text message. Right. Uh, but that person is no longer the person that you share your feelings with.
1: Right. Right. So if you send a text message, it's not, um, It you know, it's simply, it, you know, running late, be there in 15 minutes. Right. You know, not, well, you know, since you, you know, always...
0: Since you, yeah, you never wait for me and you, you're not going to leave like you did the yeah. last three times.
1: I know you're always a jerk about this and I know that you're probably going to have some smart comment or you're going to leave or, or do something like that that you always do. But uh, I got stuck at work and I'm running 15, you know, yeah. and same thing with the response. If the person says they're late, okay, thanks. Not, well, that's just like you. You're late for every drop off, you know. <laughs> It it, it is what people do over and over and over. And it's normal. I don't want anyone to think that that we're saying that it's abnormal to do that. It's not. It's totally, completely normal. You have to get to the point to where you are interrupting the normal patterns in your brain and saying, wait a minute, this is exactly what they told me not to do and stop doing it. And, And, you know. In my experience, everybody that we can get to actually follow that, the closer they follow it, the better they do in that they have better outcomes, they feel happier, right? and they're able to move forward. And I think it leads to forgiveness of the other person a lot right. faster.
0: Right. You know, one of the things I told uh, the, uh, the guy at the support group last night is he's got to find the meaning in, in what's going on, uh, this is another way that we can evict that person from our head. Right. Uh, yeah, this person is stuck on that court appearance and on the result that he didn't like. Right. And uh, and he won't st- stop talking about that. And, and he doesn't get to see his kids as much as he wants to. And, right. And that's sad. It is. Uh, but – what I told him is, you know, you're a Christian guy. What is God revealing to you in this trial?
1: Right, right. What's the lesson you're supposed to learn right. from it, and and be able to apply moving forward? What it, what, yeah, what is it that you're supposed to? What's the purpose of the suffering? What is it you're supposed to get out of it?
0: Right, and I've seen changes in this man he's becoming more patient yeah he's becoming more uh, easy easy to talk to and and more understanding and Mm -hmm. calmer i mean i like the the word that you used earlier reframing right and you have to take this pain and reframe it in a positive way right how do you do
1: that well i mean you know i think that you and i are living examples of that Mm -hmm. i mean because i always tell people and i you know i know we're running a little long on this episode but the 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 conversation is just so good i i cannot exaggerate the amount of the pain Mm -hmm. and if i mean literally i mean i'm I'm getting teary now just thinking about it because if I put myself in that place where I was 12 years ago it was so brutal and I tell people you could have cut my right arm off and I would not have been in any more physical pain than the emotional pain of that divorce was for me and I literally was a crumpled heap Mm. on my bathroom floor if you don't believe me ask my kids they will tell you it and and frankly parenting them was the only thing that got me out of bed every morning if I had not had them and I, I just don't know if I would have been able to put one foot in front of the other. and it was just so painful and I knew nothing. I mean you worked in law, you didn't work in family law, but I knew nothing about the law at that point. And so now here you and I sit 12 years later, With all of this personal experience, (laughs) doing a podcast and having helped hundreds and hundreds of families, I hope, Mm -hmm. and and help them recreate some semblance of family life after this, you know, complete devastation. And, you know, you and I would not be sitting here if our exes had not made the choice to leave.
0: Right. It's kind of like paying it forward.
1: Yeah, and for me, I tell people every single time that we help a couple, every single time that I'm on a phone call with somebody who's in that pain that I mm-hmm. feel that I can hear in their voice, I get some sort of emotional healing out of that.
0: Right. So why not if you if somebody's running space in your head, find somebody that you can help that's right. suffering.
1: Right. Right. I mean, it's great thing to do to, you know, volunteer at a hospital or go, you know, serve food to the homeless or go, you know, do things that remind you that... As much pain as, as you're in, and as difficult as this process is, I, I mean, I know it's difficult. I'm I'm not trying to make anybody try to tell themselves it's not. It is difficult, but there are other people that are suffering more than you. And when you help those people and contribute in some way, it brings it gives you, you joy. joy. Right, right, yeah. right. And so all the helping of people over the years. I mean, it's hard to find joy in divorce. I don't want to say that we're, I don't get joy out of, you know, ending people. I mean, I'm not the person that ended their marriage. They were. But I do get joy in trying to help them avoid spending a ton of money, having a destructive right. relationship that hurts their kids, you know, trying to help them move forward, find their own path, find their own business, you know, be a great parent and and, and contribute on some level that's greater than you.
0: So here's the thing that will give you the divorce superpower. If somebody's renting space in your head and you want to evict them, I think the biggest thing is don't leave space. Don't leave space in your head for them to rent. Fill that space with whatever uh, gives you joy spiritually, with helping others, uh, with hobbies, with, with your new career, with your dreams. Uh, fill that up. Right, Because a full life will attract those people that you want to attract. Right,
1: right. Excellent, okay, so our freebie today, you're gonna go to www.divorceuniversityonline.com forward slash episode six is today's episode. And Thomas has created an excellent worksheet called Find Your Joy, and that's going to help you apply the principles that we discussed today in Episode 6. As always, uh, we appreciate you joining us. We appreciate you being here, and we look forward to seeing you next time. See
0: you next time, and kick those... X's out of your head. Thank you for listening to the Divorce University Online Podcast with your hosts, Thomas and Tammy Ferreira. For more information, visit www.divorceuniversityonline.com.